0: change. And what we've been talking about is the idea of uh, meeting ourselves in five years. And uh, we are primarily going to be responsible for the person we become in five years. And it's been interesting as I've engaged with people over the week and uh, been talking to them about um, uh, different areas in their life, this idea of meeting yourself in five years is something that's really stuck with people and uh they've emailed me about different changes they're making and the, and the, the tagline or the thing that they're saying at the end is uh i don't want to be this in five years and so uh thank you so much mark you're the best i appreciate that yeah that a boy thanks dude, dude how do you get more attention than me what's going on I'm a, I'm a pastor here, yeah. So um, so when I was in the eighth grade, uh, I've, I've, I've shared this story before, I had a best friend named Paul, and in the eighth grade, um, well, so Paul's a missionary now, and I'm a pastor now, but if you met us in the eighth grade, there is no way I was going to become a pastor and he was going to become a missionary, like it was the, there's just no way, there has to be a God, Right? Forget about creation. Forget about all these wonderful things God's done. The fact that I'm a pastor and he's a missionary, there's a God, right? So uh, I went to a public school. He went to a Christian school, and um, I went to his 8th grade graduation. And um, so we're sitting there, and his, uh, the, the salutatorian of his 8th grade class gave a speech. And she was the, mo- she was the most beautiful 8th grader I've ever seen, right? And so uh, from in the 8th grade. So... I turned to Paul, because Paul wasn't salutatory. He was just sitting, sitting in the thing like I was. And I said, bro, who, who is that? She had long hair, like down to like here, right? I, she, he says, that's Lisa Williamson. And then he says this, she's too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, eighth grade. So then my parents pulled me out of public school. They sent me to a private Christian school because the public school was not doing me any favors at all. Uh, No no offense to public schools, but this particular one and my particular personality, not a a match. And so uh, I go to this Christian school, and uh, in my ninth grade class, like my homeroom class, I see this salutatorian lady, you know, ninth grade, long hair, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But she does not... Like me, I was not, she was good, a good person, right? She was too good for me. And so fast forward to my junior year when I begin to turn my life around, I begin to follow Jesus or whatever, and we start dating. And so uh, long story short, that's my wife, Lisa, okay? So uh, yeah, we're very happy about that. November 12th will be uh, 40 years from our first date, okay? So when we first started dating, it was really obvious that something was special, that we had a connection and um, just our conversations. I mean, you, again, I know we're, we're juniors in high school, so I, you don't give it that much credit, but, um, but we knew something was special. And we also had seen, just in our context, couples that had over-sexualized their relationship it never went well. And so we kind of we learned that. So uh, I, I went to a, a, a youth group one time, and they talked about this thing. You have a piece of paper, and, and, the, and the first one is like holding hands, and then there's a, a sex, and then like everything in the middle, okay? And I'll, you can use your imagination, but anyway, there, there they are. And they said, you have to pre-decide where your limit is. And I thought about that idea of pre-deciding, like before there's any emotion, before you're in a predicament, before you've had too much of this or too much of that, like you pre-decide. So this is super early in our relationship, and I know this is weird for some of you, but this is what we did. This was important to us. We didn't want our relationship to be based on an over-sexualized narrative. We wanted it to be based on the things that we loved to do together—laughing, watching movies, having fun, going on hikes—all these things. And so we wanted to pre-decide where we we're going to be. So we go on a hike, and I have this piece of paper. I reach in my pocket. I'm like, "Hey, you know, we have—you know—I want to have this conversation. And everything." I said, "You know, here, here's a, here's a thing." And she's looking at it like, "What? Are, oh, you're going to kill me in the woods? Okay, that's it, right?" And I said, "Hey, we have to." We have to pre-decide. I said, so let's just let's just do this. So, yeah, you know, I start, you know, on, on the right end, and I'm like, yeah, we're not we're not doing that, you know. I said, we you know we won't we won't do this. And she says, I'll never forget. She says, keep ripping. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Then I'm like, hey, this thing's getting short. Like, <laughs> like, like, like keep ripping. Like, ah oh, man. Rip, rip, rip. By the time I get done, it looks like a, a, a string of dental floss. It's like that's how small it, it was, okay? Now, I tell you this, not because we're goody two shoes or we're the best couple in the world or whatever. we are, but, um, but uh, I tell you this because pre deciding, as we wrap up this series on Can I Change? takes into account the last five weeks of what we talked about one of the first week we talked about can I change can these dry bones live and then we talked about just uh, instead of thinking of it as trying we think of it as training okay and so failures built into training we don't when we fail when we're trying then we are a failure when we fail training we've just Failed training, and we go back to training and back to training. Then we talked about these little habits over time that when we incorporate them into our lives, they're small and they don't make any difference. And if you're married and it's just something like, hey, you're washing the dishes, you wash the dishes once, that doesn't do any good, but again and again and again, and you rush to the back of the line and you put your spouse in front over and over and over and over again, it makes for a good marriage. So we talked about that. Then we talked about breaking bad habits. We talked about the idea that we make them invisible, we make them difficult, we 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 kind of step in and, and make some unreasonable things in order to break some of these bad habits. Well, this pre-deciding kind of takes all of those things into account. And you've predecided, maybe we, you didn't call it that, but anytime you create a budget, okay, you're predeciding. You're sitting down before there's any emotion. And you say, "How much do we want to spend eating out?" We don't make that decision on Wednesday night when we're both tired and we're like, "Hey!" And then all of a sudden, you look at your Visa bill and it's like, "We spent 600 bucks eating out." Come on, right? So we make these pre-decisions. If you've ever made a grocery list, right? You've pre-decided. Now, if you make a grocery list and then you go to the grocery store hungry, you will add arbitrary things to that list, right? Have you ever done that? I have these things. Have you seen those? I think they're called Cretans or Crete. They're caramel corn and cheese popcorn in the same bag. Come on, son. They're at Costco. The bag's like this big. If I don't eat before I go to Costco, guaranteed that thing's making it into my cart, right? So we have, we have these things. We, 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 we pre-decide. Sometimes, maybe you've done this, you've been struggling with anger, you've been struggling with some different things, and you pre-decide before you get to work, I'm not, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm only going to be positive. I'm only going to be positive. That's a, that's a pre-decision. Some of you will put your workout clothes on the bed or on the dresser ready to go in the morning because you're pre-deciding. Well, here's the idea, is that you are the sum of your decisions. You are the sum of your decisions. You're going to keep making decisions. You're going to keep making decisions. And in five years, you will be the sum of those decisions. And the person you meet in five years will most likely be because of the decisions you've made. And you've experienced this in the past. And so have I, where I've made a bunch of little decisions or maybe one big decision. And I didn't like what I saw in the mirror at five years. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a guy who um, the Bible doesn't say he made pre-decisions, but when you look at his life, it has all the earmarks, all the telltale signs of somebody who made pre-decisions. The guy's name is Joseph, and there's a famous story about him and even a famous musical, Joseph Code of Many Color, Technicolor Code, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, so he's basically the youngest of all his brothers, Okay, and just so we're clear, the youngest is the best. Okay, just so it's biblical. It's in the Bible. Uh, so we know this about him. We know that he was the, um, uh, he was the son of uh, Jacob's most beautiful wife. So he comes from like beauty stock, okay? And we'll see this later in the story. And he would get these dreams. And one day, he gets a couple dreams, and he's sitting around with all his brothers, eating Captain Crunch in the morning breakfast, and he says, oh, man, you guys, i got this great dream. It's so cool. had two of them. Uh, basically, I'm going to rule over you. And the brothers, you know, older brothers, trust me, I was thrown down the staircase in a suitcase uh, by my older brother. I know how upset they can get. So they don't like that, Okay. And so they all go out and work on the fields, and he stays home, and then his dad says, go check him out. And they, they see him coming, and they're like, let's, let's kill him, okay? We're going we're to kill him because we're just tired of these stories and all this kind of stuff. So he comes, um, they, and then they were going to tell their dad um, that he was uh, beaten by raiders, right? But then they switched it because uh, the raiders can't beat anybody. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, that was good. You guys are so, you guys are so forgiving. Uh, yeah, no, so they, they never, none of that, none of the Raiders thing ever happened. So they said, they, we're gonna say he was eaten by some animal. So uh, the older brother, it's a long story, but the older brother kind of saves him and he gets uh, taken by, the, they sell him to these people called the Ishmaelites and he becomes a slave. And so that's, that's Joseph to where we find him right now. So he's with the Ishmaelites, He's a slave, and uh, so here's where we find him in Genesis 39:1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So, uh, so he's with the Ishmaelites in captivity with them. They're going around selling slaves. He's one of them, and Potiphar, this uh, commander or the captain of the guard, uh, buys him. And he, he he's with them. Now, you say, John, what does this have to do with predecision? Because he didn't, he didn't decide to be in this situation. Well, that's one of the things of predecision. Predecision is how you're going, how you decide to act in a situation that has not happened yet. You, you pre-decide. So uh, oftentimes when I do marital counseling, I talk about what are your boundaries for you guys as a couple. And normally what I get back is, we don't need any boundaries. We love each other so much. I, I can't. And my question is always the same, because that's how they sound. No offense, you guys. Uh, uh, right? Because, because the question is, well, what happens when that's not the case, when you're having issues or uh, you, you, you're, you're realizing, wait, this is harder than we thought. What are your boundaries going to be for when your relationship's not that good? That's pre-deciding. And so the reason I feel like Joseph decided to act a certain way is the very next verse. The Lord was with Joseph. So in other words, the Lord didn't get Joseph out of his bad situation, The Lord didn't, you know, magically have him kill all the Ishmaelites that had him, you know, like went gladiator on him. He did none of that. He just decided, this is my situation. This is how I'm going to relate to my heavenly father. So it goes, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. So now, just so we're clear, Joseph came from a wealthy family, okay? So even though it sounds great for Joseph right now, well, oh, cool, he's in a really nice, he's, not, he's away from his family, he's away from all his friends, he's not in his bed, he doesn't know who anybody is, he's a slave still, Okay, it might be in a nicer house than in a ditch, but he's still a slave. And so he becomes the attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now, so you understand, Joseph has responsibility, but no power. He's responsible for everything, but he's not in a position of power in the sense that he can make his own decisions and say, hey, hey, Pot, I'm taking a week off next week. I'm going to go here, there. No, no. He's a slave, right, with a lot of responsibility, which comes with some benefits, but he's, he has no power, okay? He's a slave. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, we've, the, 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 the narrative takes a shift, okay, Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, like every youngest kid in a family. (laughs) Well-built and handsome, right? So now you're starting to see, okay, what does this have to do with anything? Very next verse. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, you say, okay, wow. So Potiphar, you'll see, goes on a long vacation and like this just became a thing now we don't blame her because this is typical of people in power so it could be a guy and a girl it could be a girl and a guy oftentimes we find ourselves when there's people in power they abuse it and this is exactly what's happening to joseph come to bed with me right but he refused now why do you say we say john how do you know he pre-decided watch what he's rehearsed to say. See, that's part of pre-deciding. Pre-deciding is pre-thinking through. Like, okay, I'm having an issue with a substance. And when I go out with my friends to this particular place or this party or whatever, it doesn't go well for me. I'm going to pre-decide not to do that. So now you have to not only pre-decide, but come up with your why. Your why. And your why could be anything. My why when Lisa and I were doing that thing was because we didn't want anything to mess up this relationship. We thought we might have something special here. That was the why. And you have a why. You have a why for raising your kids. You have a why for what kind of marriage you want to have. You have a why for what kind of um, uh, self-control you have. You have all those things. Can I change means pre-deciding what do I have to do in these different situations to do what the Lord would have me to do. Here's what he says. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Uh, because you're his wife. I don't know how he said it, but I, that's kind of the, one of the whys. Now watch what he says. This is, a, this is incredible. And this is why I think he pre-decided. And this is why I think every situation we see Joseph in, he prospers. Because the situation is not what governs his commitment to God. It's his commitment to God that, gov- that governs every situation. You see what I'm saying? Because you are his wife. Then, uh, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my master, sin against Potiphar, sin against this guy who's given me all these things? I can't, I can't go against him. That's not what he says. That's not what he says. This is what he says. And this is his why. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, for some of us, myself at times, I'm like, well, the reason I can sin against God is because he, he let me get into slavery. Like, why didn't he deliver me from that? And some of you might find yourself in a situation right now where you're like, why hasn't God delivered me from that? And, and, and you're struggling with, well, why should I be faithful to him? He hasn't been faithful to me. But Joseph understood, I'm not going to let my circumstances govern my love for God, I'm gonna let my love for God govern my circumstances, no matter what they are, so that's what he says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed, or even be with her, look at that, look at that boundary that, that he's established now, now it's just like, now, now again, we don't know anything about her, okay, so She, anyway, so we we just don't know what's going on here, other than that she is very persistent in this uh, endeavor, okay? And so he begins to create greater boundaries then, which might be something you need to do depending on who you want to be in five years. That because of your relationship with God, you go, you know what? Now I got to get rid of this set of friends. Or now I gotta really control my finances. Or now, because because of who I want to be, I'm gonna control what I see on social media, what I see on the internet, what I click on. I'm doubling down, right? So he says, I don't even wanna be here. I can just picture, you know, he sees her walking across, and (laughs) he walks the other way, and like, oh, I gotta go fold the clothes, or you know, whatever he's doing, right? So here's what happened. Uh, Could make a long story short. So she sends all the servants out of the house. Her husband's on a trip, and it's just her and Joseph, right? And you could switch genders. You could switch roles. This is just somebody who's in power that is abusing their power. And so uh, she grabs him, right? She's like, you know, hey, (laughs) let's go. And uh, he runs, and she, like, rips off his cloak, okay? So he probably had some clothes on under the cloak. He wasn't like he was just wearing a robe, okay? So, uh, but she's got it now, and he takes off running, okay? Again, I think that was pre-decided, okay? And so uh, she's got it, and now she doesn't know what to do because she's got this cloak, and she just starts yelling, like, hey, he, he tried to attack me. He tried to abuse me, all those things that he said. And so uh, Potiphar ends up putting him in prison. Now, here's a dude who pre-decided to follow the Lord, actually carried it out, and now he's back in prison again. If there's anybody who kind of has a right to go, God, what are you doing? But his circumstances didn't govern his love for God. His love for God governed his circumstances. But While Joseph was there in prison, look at this, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And I believe the Lord was with him because he invited the Lord to be with him. Uh, He said, whatever it is. Now again, I may be reading too much into the scripture, but everybody I know who pre-decides and has healthy boundaries and figures out what they're going to do in each situation that they know they're going to happen, this is what they look like to me. The Lord was with him. He showed him uh, kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. (laughs) If my life story has anything to do with a prison warden, okay, I don't want to be a part of it, but uh, Joseph was. So the warden, again, you'll see this pattern, put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Why? Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was in prison, doing what he had done as a slave, doing what he had done in Potiphar's house. So, what happens is, in prison, he shows up to these two guys. One's a a, a cupbearer and one's a baker. And he checks up on them, and uh, in the Hebrew, it says they looked emaciated and troubled. Like, they were just... Like, you could tell physically there's something wrong. And he says, What's, what are you guys doing? And they said, we each had a dream, okay? And dreams were very important back then. And we had these dreams. And uh, he goes, all right, well, guess what? I can interpret dreams. So what do you got? So he goes to the uh, cupbearer. It sounds like a joke. Doesn't sound like a joke. So then he says to the cupbearer, right? Uh, no, but he says to the cupbearer, tell, tell me the dream. And uh, the guy, uh, it has some threes in there. It was really freaky. And, and Joseph goes, oh, yeah, in three days, the Pharaoh's going to pardon you, and you'll be, you're, you'll be done. And, and, then, and then he says to the uh, uh, baker, uh, he goes, oh, good, cool, here's my dream. And he goes, ah, in three days, you're going to be impaled on a pole, and you're going to be eaten by birds. You guys need to read your Bible. There's just good, good stuff in there. Dudes, do not be afraid of the Bible, okay? There's like people getting pecked by birds, and it's awesome, all right? So the Lord uh, was with Joseph, okay? So what happens is Joseph tells the baker, I mean the, the cupbearer, hey, when you get in front of Pharaoh, tell him I'm in here and that I, I, I shouldn't be in here. I was wrongfully accused. He says, he tells him his story. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. That dude was in prison for seven years after he had given these things, after he was following the Lord. I thought, okay, how can he be in prison if the Lord was with him? How how, how, how could that possibly be? Well, we've been around long enough to realize oftentimes our circumstances is just life. And it's our job to either invite him into our circumstances or not. Oftentimes, we pray that the circumstances would just change. I just want them to stop. We, I, you know, everyone who's known my story knows that there's been seasons in our life, Lisa least in my life, it hasn't been perfect, where there have been dark seasons where we're like, Lord, can you just stop this thing? And he says, no. And so we have an opportunity to either invite him into our circumstances or to reject him because he's not changing our circumstances. He... Uh, so seven years later, Pharaoh has a dream, another weird dream. And um, the cupbearer is like, oh, yeah, I remember this dude in prison. He, he, ha- he, he, he knows how to interpret dreams. So he's like, go, go, get, I can just picture Joseph coming out, looking at the cupbearer like, bro, really? Seven years? You know, whatever. But um, so he gets in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh gives him the dream. And here's what he, I cannot believe what he says seven years he's been in prison for something he did not do he get, he has these dreams he's been doing nothing but serving the Lord I'm sure he sinned many times he's a man whatever I get all that but his narrative is he just keeps doing the right thing and keeps having God's favor even when his circumstances are horrible I think he predecides this okay so the The Pharaoh gives him the dreams, and he goes this. He says, um, oh, yeah, that's an interesting dream. He's like, yeah, I can't. I can't interpret it, right? Here's how he says it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I think, I might be reading too much into it, that Joseph pre-decided to give the glory to his heavenly father. He pre-decided, if I ever get out of prison, if I ever get there, I want to make sure that I give God the glory. And he goes on, he he tells him the whole thing, and he says, you're going to have seven years of plenty, and you're going to have seven years of famine, okay? And it's coming, and there's nothing you can do about it. As a matter of fact, he says, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms, in other words, he had two dreams that said kind of the same thing, is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. It's coming. The famine's coming, and the, uh, the product, uh, productive time is coming, and God will do it soon. And then Joseph does something that is so odd in this culture. I mean, very bizarre. He gives Pharaoh advice. A Hebrew slave that's now in prison gives the Egyptian <laughs> Pharaoh some advice. It's crazy, but this is what happens when you pre- decide and the Lord is with you. You speak the truth. He says. He goes on. Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Now, if I, if it were me, I would say it this way. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. <laughs> right? That's what I would have done. I don't know if he did that or not. I have no idea, but that, that's how I'd do it. And he says, "Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of the good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. The food should be held in reserve in the country to be used during the seven years of famine. I will come upon Egypt. He's given him all this thing. This plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds great. Can we find anyone like this? One in whom is the spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Joseph just got out of prison. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Oh, my goodness, right? So we say, typically, as good-consuming Americans, oh, good. It all worked out for Joseph. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, He had to put put in his time, do his dues, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered service for Pharaoh of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled through Egypt. Yay, except the story doesn't end there. At the very end of this story, it says, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. In other words, this Pharaoh says i don't know this dude get him out of here and that's where we pick up the egypt story is from there so it would be nice to think that everything worked out for joseph but i think and again the scriptures don't say it the narrative doesn't say it that when joseph when there arose a pharaoh that knew not joseph the lord was with joseph because he had decided hey if i lose my position if i lose my mind I'll be be fine. I'll be fine. Let me show you real quick somebody else who did this, who pre-decided. As a matter of fact, this person pre-decided every decision that ever happened. His name was Jesus. And he did, he pre-decided, Heavenly Father, whatever you tell me to say, That's what I'm going to say. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And he lived his whole life as an example for us and then died an unjust death. But I want you to see the final moments of it, of what it looks like to pre-decide. So that when you go into this week and you're looking at your life and you're thinking about yourself in five years and you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I need to do In order to, these situations I know that will be coming, what do I need to put in place? What do I need to decide now before the emotion's there, before the situation's there, before the temptation's there? What do I need to decide now? Here's what Jesus said. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face and prayed, Father, if it is possible, if there's something you can do, let this cup pass before me. And then lying in the sand, predecision. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Whatever happens, I don't want it to happen. I hope there's another way. But I'm predeciding right now, whatever step you want me to take, I'm taking it. I'm gonna take it. If it takes me all the way to the cross, I will go all the way to the cross. He came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Bro, you men could not keep watch for me for one hour? Now watch keep watching and praying that you may not enter temptation for the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so predecide for your flesh before you get into the situation as the worship band comes back up he went away in a gay a second time praying father if this cannot pass unless I drink it predecision your will be done I'm going to do it Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. He left them again, went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Predecision, predecision, predecision. Jeremiah is going to play us a final song, and uh, what we do here is we, um, we kind of open up the, we call it the altar, the stage or whatever, and If you have something that's weighing on your heart and you want to just come and pray, get on your knees and pray here. I I always like to, after I'm done preaching, just kind of come around and kneel uh, there just to reset for myself for this week coming up. And so if you have something that's on your heart, for some of you, as I was talking, the Lord gave you something, gave you something. Hey, maybe this issue needs to be addressed. Maybe you need to pre-decide for a relationship you have. Maybe you need to pre-decide for your finances. Maybe you need to pre-decide for a situation at work, for a situation at school, for friendships, for maybe a substance. You need to set up some healthier boundaries to remove yourself from that situation. Now's the time to bring it to the Lord. Now's the time to say, "Lord, Lord, not my will not my will, but your will, be done. Whether I find myself imprisoned, I find myself, ah, I got a promotion, and then I got laid off, and I got a promotion, or whatever it is. Wherever you are, let your commitment to God govern your circumstances, not your circumstances govern your commitment to God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much that you modeled this so well. We thank you for uh, these stories in your word that are uh, such a raw reminder of the things we might face. So I pray for those who got their predecision now, and those who will be leaving, and maybe during the week, go. You know what? I think I need to predecide here. Should give them the courage to do that, and the boldness to follow through. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys want to stand for the blessing? Hey, so next week um, is kind of a special weekend. Uh, Lisa and I are traveling up to watch our granddaughter get dedicated at their church, which isn't as good as our church, but don't worry about that. Uh, So I got a friend of mine, Fraser, who's coming. uh, Super dynamic uh, speaker. You're gonna you're gonna love him. So I'd invite you all to come back. And he's a little more uh, he's a little more emotional than me, like uh, like exciting. Very exciting. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna love it. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His peace and in His strength and in His love. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.